Welcome to the Refresh and Restore Weekly Devotion, brought to you by JustKeithHarris.com. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you are refreshed and restored through our Bible study today. Kicking off this week's Refresh and Restore podcast, we've got a very special guest today. Uh, say hello, Reed. How's it going? How's it going? All right. This is Reed Viner. He is a friend of mine, uh, brother in Christ, and one of my former students. And today is kind of cool. Uh, uh, usually the podcast and the written devotion on the website are pretty close, but this week you, you need to go to the website and need to check it out. It Reed wrote this. And so, Reed, I want to ask you a few questions to start out. Um, what was the occasion for writing this essay? Um, the occasion? Yeah, why did you write it? I wrote the, I wrote the essay to, um, I don't know, point to other people, like, like the center of Christianity. Yeah, and so it was for your English comp class. Mm -hmm. You're a junior, um, taking dual credit um, English comp, and you had to write a profile on something, mm -hmm. and you decided to profile Christianity to point people towards that. Yeah. Um, talk to me about the questions that you picked. Um, just kind of coming from a pastoral perspective, those are you, you kind of grouped the questions that people like me get the most excited about with the questions that we get the most anxious about. Talk to me about that. How did you come up with the questions? Well, when, when I was talking, when I was thinking of these questions, I was trying to figure out things that might, because what I was doing with these questions was I was trying to hit Christians in like in the center. I was trying to hit them, uh, at the spot at like bottom zero. I was trying to get to them. I was trying to pierce right through the wall. I was trying to get to them immediately. So I thought what questions are going to get to them the most efficiently. And so I had, it took me a while to think of them, but I had to think of the, basically the deepest questions you could think of for a good bit that would get to Christians and make them think if they were doing things right or if their mindset was in the right place. Okay, so basically people who identify as Christians almost like a litmus test. Yes. Um, so that they can really check and see that what they say they believe is what they believe. Mm -hmm. um, and if I remember correctly, you told me that when y'all write these essays that y'all peer edit them in class. Yeah. And so um, what were your thoughts about um, your peers getting this first glimpse at this profile of Christianity. I thought it kind of, it was, it was kind of funny to watch them do it because I couldn't tell you most people in that room are not Christians. Some of them claim to be, but you can see by their actions that they're not. And I, I found it kind of funny because most of them would read this and it seemed like it kind of scare them a little bit. Right. Especially those that say that they're Christians and then go off and do the things that th that these questions and the answers to these questions explain 
that you're not supposed to be doing that, and you could see the fear in their eyes. Right. Which a part of me feels like that thing is that that's cool because it showed them was kind of my purpose because it showed them a little bit of what to do and what not to do and how they were doing wrong. Well, and at the same time, it shows you and me the same things. Yeah. That that we look at. Um, we're on the praise team together here at Christ Community. Uh, we're in a discipleship group together. And this is the same stuff that combs through our sin week after week. And it's not comfortable. It, it is scary. But it is kind of cool that we get that opportunity to use something like a school assignment to look at this. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a break. And when we come back, we'll look at a few of the questions that Reed asked and kind of dive into them a little bit today. Be right back. All right, we're back. Um, Reed, I'm going to kind of turn it over to you. Um, these were your questions. And you think we'll, we'll just kind of let it just go fluidly from here kick it off for us all right so when i was thinking of these questions again i thought what questions would impact the faith of christians more what would maybe help change their faith and see their wrongdoings so keith what are what are the most fundamental aspects of your faith um Really, the the most fundamental thing w- would be the gospel. That you know, it's a, a a word that we use a whole lot. Um, it basically was a compound word in the original language: go, tell, good news, all in one. But basically, the gospel of Jesus is that he is fully God, fully man that he left heaven, came to dwell among us um, to bring salvation to us rather than us try to work our way towards him. And I mean, talking about um, I mean, just the, the issues and difficulties in trying to live as a Christian, uh, the gospel, I mean, it's at the center of it. Jesus lived that perfect life that we can't live. We're not going to live. We're going to mess up. Um, he died in our place. Uh, another word that kind of we kind of throw around in, in in church is propitiation. That he was the sacrifice that bore our sin, turned it into not uh, just basically traded it for his favor, um, and then he rose from the dead. Uh, fundamentally, there is no Christianity without Christ. What he's done, has done, is doing and will do um, what we see about that in the Bible. Yeah. Um, what makes you a strong believer in your faith? Ooh, um, and, and that's the thing, Rita. I don't know. It's scary to even call myself a strong believer because, man, my belief, my whole part in this is based on my weakness it makes me think about um, 
Paul when he's talking in Second Corinthians, and he's talking about this guy who was caught up in the third heaven, um, and, and you get this sinking suspicion. He's talking about himself, and he, he talks about being like burdened with this thorn in the flesh, and just this inability to do things on his own. And that's that's probably the part that I identify with the most, where um, Jesus tells him he says when you are weak i am strong my grace is made perfect in your weakness so i I, i'm flattered to be thought of as a strong believer but honestly the strength in my belief is that he can overcome my weaknesses and that's that's probably the biggest deal because man i feel probably more like those you're concerned with that you know, maybe it doesn't show as much as, as I'm afraid it does, but my doubts, my fears, my insecurities, they're all over the place. But then again, so is Jesus. And so that makes me thankful. All right. How are you, you should, or how are you sure your faith is right when there are literally thousands to choose from? This one, it kind of goes back to that whole fundamental aspect where Christianity centers around Christ. Um, John and I got to talk about this with a lady um, this past weekend where she kind of wanted to know the same thing. She's like, well, all these people say that their beliefs are most fundamental and these other people say this and then I've got these people that that say they are 100% sure and she was basically just saying she was kind of jealous of their faith um it all centers around Jesus it's not that I'm sure it's not that I can point to what I know is we we put trust that he is the truth that he is true he is who he says he is so as far as the difference in in biblical christianity and other world religions um, it goes back to, and I want to say it was David Platt, the first person that I heard tell something like this, that pretty much um, world religions are like you've got God, um, lowercase God in, in most cases, um, heaven, e- eternal life, um, positive version of the afterlife at the top of this mountain, and that we're all just trying to find our way up this mountain that supposedly has got an infinite amount of trails and that you spend your life trying to work your way up this mountain, do enough good deeds, more good deeds than your bad deeds. Um, and then ultimately you make it up the mountain, you make it to God. But the difference in Christianity is God's not expecting us to work our way up the mountain. He's very clear that our work, our wages, uh, the wages of our sin is death and that we need his free gift um, in eternal life. And so the difference in Christianity is rather than God sitting there waiting on us to get all this figured out, God became man and came down the mountain for us. And the only way we're ever going to get to him is just like he said, uh, and, and it's the same passage where he told us that he is truth, that he is the way that he has, is and has this life for us. He says that he's going to prepare a place for us, that he has made a way, literally. And so 
God in Christ comes down the mountain, carries us up through his strength despite our weaknesses because he loves us. And that's the only way we can get to him. Uh, there's something, I'm trying to think of how C.S. Lewis said, he says something just odd enough about that for it to be true and not made up. And I think that's a, a pretty cool way to think about it. Okay. I'm going to ask you a little bit more difficult of a question now. Oh, gee, thanks. How does your faith handle societal issues such as premarital sex and divorce? Thank you, Reed, for asking those questions when there are literally many others you could have asked. No, um, man, honestly, these are the hot-button issues that cause a, a lot of trouble and a lot of doubt. Uh, honestly, when we talk about these issues, it, and I don't want it to sound like a cop-out, the Bible very clearly defines sin, that any sex outside of one man, one woman, um, in the context of marriage is sin. Uh, in fact, lust after somebody who's not your husband or your wife in the context of marriage that's considered adultery. Um, but looking at that blanket statement, it seems it seems very much acquainted with what people would call bigotry today. And I think um, that absolutely is not related to that. Um, when I think of these things, I think it's best to look at at God's original design that that if God, is sovereign, if God is all-powerful, if God is wise and good and loving and caring, all the things that people would typically say, well, you know, this is why um, that God obviously can't think this is a sin because God's loving. Well, it's God's word, the whole thing, um, things that we like and are comfortable with and things that we aren't. So when you look at this, I think we need to go back to the beginning and see what his good design was. As far as, and specifically the, the societal issues you mentioned were um, marriage-related, you, you go back to the garden where God laid, at first there was no need for, for marriage. It was just one guy and a bunch of animals. God saw that Adam, uh, I think it's Genesis uh, 2, 18 where he says it's not good that man should be alone he gave him the opportunity to name the animals but that only um went so far as far as conversation but from there he said you know he, he took adam the man that he had knelt down on the earth formed out of the dirt breathed his life into put him into a deep sleep took one of his ribs and formed her into woman and I, I love that part right there because, you know, you, you don't see a lot of response from Adam in Genesis 2. It's like, hey, it's not good that you're alone. Name these animals. What did Adam do? He went to name an animals. But then when he woke up and Eve was there, he's like, oh, man, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Um, I heard... I can't think of the pastor, um, but he says, he, Adam woke up and says, whoa, man, uh, thank you, God, for that. And it says, in, you know, in that act of creation, God set up marriage, one man, one woman, that 
Uh, later on in Genesis 2, man would leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. But you look at that, all, all these societal issues really only become issues when people try to take different paths than God orig- originally intended. Um, that sex was part of intimacy between a husband and a wife. And so y- you pick the issues. We'll just kind of walk through it. First off, you said premarital sex. Um, I think Russ Moore did a good job talking about that where he says, you know, when we say premarital sex, it, it makes it just sound like it's just an issue of timing, whereas the Bible calls it fornication. Um, anytime you mix in what God intended to make people one flesh and they're going for more of a casual, non-committal, non-covenant marriage stance, man, it's going to get difficult. Um, the intimacy that comes in that physical union is more than a casual relationship can bear. Um, man, that intimacy makes things complicated, even in the context of marriage, that you move on from there and all things come from it that go from that. Um, God designed that not just for intimacy, but to fulfill that first charge that he gave man um, to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Well, if you're doing the thing that causes the multiplication, um, you can't be surprised when you have early onset multiplication. Um, you, you asked about teen pregnancy. I mean, pregnancy is supposed to be a joyous thing. Why would it not be joyous in this situation? It's because um, not following the path and instead of something being joyous and exciting becomes a source of stress source of despair and you just can't have that casual one flesh thing now for as far as divorce goes again you got to understand god's heart in this and if you're listening i'd like to direct you to the sermon from a couple weeks ago i'll try to put a link on the website for you to find it where um, our pastor's preaching through Malachi and and talked about that. He did a much better job than I'm going to be able to do on the fly. But man, the, the whole idea with marriage here is not just an Old Testament Genesis 2 thing. Man, it's in the New Testament, Ephesians 5, where the Holy Spirit through Paul says, man, the, the marriage is a picture of Christ and his church. And, and we wouldn't want Christ that every time that we mess up and we do mess up. Um, and what if he just left us? What if he, and man, in the Bible, one of the grounds that is allow that is allowable for divorce is adultery, man. How many times does the bride of Christ have her heart going after other things, but yet Christ forgives, Christ redeems, Christ restores. And so, man, when we look at these societal issues, um, they all find their redemption in Jesus Christ. They all find their solution in Jesus Christ. And I mean, it kind of goes back to that fundamental issue. What, what was the fundamental aspect of faith? Christianity, a, a Christ who died on the cross to save sinners, who rose from the grave to make sure that he's interceding on our behalf forevermore. That's good news.
Mm-hmm. All right. If God knows everything, past and future, then why doesn't he stop us from making stupid decisions? Wow. In the future, read if we do some podcasts, um, we're going to choose which questions before we go through this. Um, why doesn't this all-knowing sovereign God keep us from making stupid decisions? Well, free will is kind of the name of the game as far as humanity, that when he decided to create us, um, he that, that's kind of what sets us apart from, from other things. He gives us that free will. It's, it's how we have faith. It's how we get to... I don't know. He, he didn't want mindless automatons. As far as why he keeps us from making stupid decisions, uh, I think that's part of what walking with him is. It makes me think of Romans 12, um, where he says not to be conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewal of our minds um, when he saves us. And by saved, I mean what the Bible would call born again, what um, it talked about be going from your dead and your trespasses and sins to being alive in Christ. And I think that part of that is when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive that new life, that we begin walking with him, wanting what he wants, loving how he loves, thinking how he wants us to think. And at least in my life, I'm hoping the stupidity cuts down the longer I walk with him, the more closely I follow him. All right. We'll do about two more. Two more? Before before you make my head blow a gasket. All right. Uh, Let me see. Let me see. How did one man's death save us from sin? Oh, good question. I like that one. How did one man's death save us from sin? Ultimately, and this is the cool thing about this, there's like half a chapter, um, second half of Rome. Well, really all of Romans 5 deals with this, where you look at the idea at the beginning that, yeah, we have sufferings, but because of suffering, we, we, we look to Christ in this hope that comes only from him, and he pours it out richly on us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, man, when you get in the second half of Romans chapter 5 and you look at how, you know, just like great, 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 great granddaddy Adam um, kind of set the ball of sin rolling throughout the rest of uh, the generations of humanity, that Jesus is going to be like that one man who takes away the sin. Um, we talked about the word propitiation earlier, that sacrifice that that trades the wrath due for sin for the favor that Jesus had as God's son. Man, in the Old Testament, they had a whole holiday for this. Um, It's called Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And and on that day, they would take an animal on behalf of all the people, and symbolically, they would basically put all the sin of the people on that one lamb. They would kill it. And then everybody had righteous standing. 
for a year. And then the next year, they'd take another lamb. And then the next year, another lamb for the rest of their lives. A lamb, a lamb, a lamb, a lamb, a lamb. Um, but, man, that's, that's a lot of blood. That's a lot of sheep. And so, man, when you look at this, Jesus was became the sacrifice himself. Uh, Hebrews chapter 7 talks about how that the the high priest in the Old Testament, they had to offer some sacrifices daily, some uh, weekly, some monthly, and then that yearly Day of Atonement sacrifice. But Jesus, like, did this once for all. And then Hebrews 9 talks about how, um, you know, the blood of bulls and goats was never intended to take away the sins uh, of people, but that Jesus himself, is not only the sacrifice, he's the high priest on our behalf where he enters into the holy places, not with blood of some sacrifice, but his own blood. First um, Peter chapter 2, uh, it's either 24 or 25, he says, he himself bore our sins on his body on the tree. Um, you get this beautiful picture that he, being sinless, could do what no animal, what no priest could do. He, being God, knew what would appease the wrath due sin, that there had to be a death, and him being the only human to ever walk the earth and be sinless, and he took our place. All right, this is the last question. Amen. How is it, that you can believe in an all-powerful entity that you can't see? I really just want to sing George Michael's You Gotta Have Faith right here um, and wrap it up. But no, man, first off, and, and the, the Bible is ultimately going to be where all this comes down to. Um, faith is a difficult thing to explain. On uh, Hebrews, it says it's is a belief in the thing not seen, something that you hope for. But that conviction has got to have its roots in something, and ultimately, and the Bible is is where it starts. You believe that the God of the Bible, what He says, He means, what He says is true, and you know there's evidence in creation. There's evidence all over the place. Um, but man, ultimately, and this kind of goes back to the concern you had at the beginning of, man, what about the actions of those and the words of those who claim to be Christians? And that's supposed to show some reality as well. And I've seen God move in my life. I've seen him move in the lives of others. I felt him convict me and... Ultimately, this indescribable quality has become real through experience. And, and I really feel like that's a really terrible answer. But at the same time, it's that faith being the assurance of things hoped for. I have hope in Jesus Christ. I'm convicted of my sin, as the Bible says. I'm convicted of his worthiness. And that hope and conviction drives me and is something that is, I don't know, it's, 
is bigger and and different than than just ideas. It, it's it's something that just has this in indefinable reality. And with that, we're going to take a break. We'll come back and we'll wrap up. Let's wrap this up. And to do so, I've got a question for you. Um, it's real easy to recognize. And again, we brought this back to, man, it's not just what we see in others. It's what we see in ourselves. But it's easy to recognize when someone who professes Christianity isn't matching up. It's easy to see because it's rampant. Um, and again, in, in our lives more than we would care to, if you could sum up your concern, um, kind of what you, if you had a hope for what this is going to do, you, you wrote the, the essay, allowed me to use it for the weekly devotion. You came up here to record the podcast. What? what kind of redemptive hope do you have for whatever God chooses to do with this? Well, my purpose for writing this was to impact Christians and for them to see their wrongdoings and maybe fix them. Um, my purpose wasn't obviously, well, it wasn't to, it wasn't meant to scare people. Right. That's, that's not what I meant to do, in which case, I know I've mentioned that it did, but my purpose was to, like, for instance, in the um, premarital sex, all that kind of stuff, I asked you, how does Christ, what is Christianity's view on that? Right. And with new Christians, they might have a different view. They might view it differently, and these questions were basically a checklist to see if you're doing these things right. And if not, maybe you. Well, we have a word for that. And and it's a Bible word that doesn't come pre-programmed. Repent. And that's what I have to do. That's what you have to do. And we're going to mess up again and probably need somebody to give us a checklist too. And so, I mean, I guess to sum this up and the way we get that hope is, and if you're listening to this and you're not a Christian, man, would love to talk to you. You can contact us through the website. Um, even if you live elsewhere, would love to help point you to uh, a local believer who can who can talk with you, who can show you things in the Word and help you understand. But if you're listening to this and it, some of the things we talked about grates against your definition of Christianity that you just kind of playing loose and fast with some of this, like we all have, then maybe the Holy Spirit It's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will, will grant you repentance that again, like Reed said, it's not to scare it's not to frighten, but it, it's, it's good to get to have the opportunity to share this is what we believe. This is the reason we have hope 
not because of our perfection, but because of his, not because of our righteousness, but because of his. And so if you're listening to this today and you fall into that category, again, we'd love to contact, love for you to contact us through the website. Let us pray for you and help connect, talk any way that you need. Reed, thanks. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And that's going to be it for this week's podcast. Catch y'all next week. We thank you again for listening. You can find the written copy of this devotion, complete with links to the scripture passages that were cited throughout on our website, JustKeithHarris.com, as well as other writings, projects, and Bible studies. Refresh and Restore is based out of Peter and John's sermon in Acts 3 and 4, specifically Acts chapter 4, verses 19 through 21, where Peter says, Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture passages are cited from the English Standard Version. JustKeithHarris.com is affiliated with Christ Community Church in Grenada, Mississippi. If you would like to contact us, you may do so through our website.